Hello, everyone. My name is Alex, and I'm the lead pastor here at Courtright Church. I want to welcome you to our online Christmas Eve service. Let's pray before we read from Scripture. Holy Spirit, would you come and bring these words to life for us? We ask that the words of my mouth and the reflections of all of our hearts tonight would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our reading is taken from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the child to be born, and she gave birth birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified." But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God. I want to start by acknowledging the disappointment All of us feel that we can't be together in this room right now. We're home for the holidays, and somehow that's not a good thing this year. I like the way the Globe and Mail put it yesterday. That quiet holiday you always dreamed of is finally here, and everyone hates it. A less stressful Christmas is a nice idea, but no one wanted it forced on them by disease and government decree. 
I think that does a good job of summing up the weird dilemma we're in. We say we want things to be simpler, but when it actually happens, we're pretty uncomfortable with it. This is the most unexpected Christmas ever. But here's the question I'd like us to ask today. What is the gift for us in the unexpected? What opportunity do we have this year to hear the message of Christmas like maybe we've never heard it before? Or perhaps to grasp it for the first time? We're going to take some time now to look more closely at three moments in this passage we just read. First of all, there's fear. At the beginning, we see plenty of that. Secondly, there's a sign that moves people. And third, we hear a song, a song of peace. So fear, a sign, and a song. In those days is how Luke starts off this birth story of Jesus. And he sets the story within the larger picture of Caesars and empires. He wants us to know this happened at a particular time in history. He also starts with the suggestion that it's decree from Rome that is what's moving people, millions of people, and making them go where they're told to go. All of that for the sake of a census, a survey that was designed to get names and numbers which would enable Roman authorities to enforce taxation. And behind that innocent line we read, everyone went to their own town to register. There must have been so much untold misery and suffering. Next, Luke moves us into focus on Mary and Joseph and their journey from Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem, but 111 kilometers south of where they lived, where Joseph's family came from. It would have taken them three or four days to get there. And while they were in Bethlehem, after they arrived, the time came for the baby to be born. And so Mary gave birth, and we don't hear much about that. It's quick, it's quiet. So we've got the facts, and yet it all seems oddly detached and unemotional. But when the shepherds enter the scene, things get more interesting. In verse 9, an angel of the Lord appears to them. The glory of the Lord shines around them, and they're terrified. So fear is the first thing. Even though here it's inspired by something good, the presence of God and his messenger, it really runs through the first eight verses of this passage. Mary and Joseph were anxious about their trip to Bethlehem. They were worried about the baby coming, about the scandal of Mary having gotten pregnant as an unwed teenager about the political situation with Roman soldiers all over occupying their country, oppressing their people. Mary was expecting, but where they found themselves as they headed to Bethlehem was completely unexpected. Can we relate to that? I think we can, maybe more this year than ever before. This is the most unexpected Christmas. And fear, yeah, I'd say we've been afraid. Afraid of the virus. Afraid of that person coughing in the produce section at Zares. Afraid of our loved ones catching it. Afraid of losing our job or of the economy collapsing more broadly. Afraid of missing out on so many good things. And we're afraid this will go on and on too. In spite of the promise of vaccines, 
We're not sure where this leads. We're anxious through it all to get our old lives back, to be together and at ease, to enjoy life's pleasures freely, to be able to go places and see the people we want to see. But what if the disappointment and the vulnerability we feel right now is actually what opens us up to the most amazing possibilities because it can lead us to God? I remember back in late March, just after the pandemic had started, I was in Brighton at my parents' place. I was there because my mom was sick. We knew she didn't have COVID, but the whole thing was really stressful because the doctor couldn't figure out what it was, and I was trying to nurse my mom and help my dad and also keep them safe, make plans so that they would be provided for during the pandemic when I left. And at the same time, we were reeling at the church with how to change everything up and move things online and keep in touch with people. So I was working remotely too and worried about Judith and the kids as well. One day I was trying to get my dad's meds sorted out. It turned out he had his medication in, in about, a, felt like 101 different bottles. And it was pretty overwhelming trying to get on top of all that. And so I went to Rexall for some help. And I'll never forget this woman, the pharmacist there, and her kindness to me. There were lots of people waiting in the line behind me. There was tension in the air. But she took the time I needed. She explained each medication to me. And then she introduced me to something called a blister pack, which in my mind qualifies as a means of grace. You know the packs you get gum in? You break through the tin foil and you pop out a piece of gum. They're like that, except... A blister pack has all your meds for each day of the week and for each time of the day when you need to take them. It organizes things for you so helpfully. But it was the pharmacist's concern and care and patience that really took my breath away. And on the spot, I just started crying. I don't know about you, but I've been doing more of that over the past 10 months than I can remember for a long time. As a pastor, I often have occasion to tell people that tears are good. But sometimes I wonder if I really believe that. I'm as emotionally risk-averse as the next guy. After all, tears reveal weakness. But what if that weakness is the truth about us? And what if being open with other people and with God about our weakness is what we need most of all, then why would we hold back? The kindness of that pharmacist in Brighton was a sign for me, a sign that it was going to be okay, a reminder that God's kindness, his loving kindness, is what lies at the heart of the universe. And the sign of that baby in a manger was a sign for everyone for all people, that the kindness of God showed up once and for all that first Christmas. But the, the shepherds, they were terrified. And so we come to a turning point. How do we overcome fear and anxiety in our lives? Well, I think all of us need a sign to be able to do that. The angel says, don't be afraid, and cuts through the confusion those shepherds must have been overwhelmed with by making a proclamation and then by pointing them to the sign that they needed. 
God knows we need to see it. We need a personal experience of his good news. It's not enough to simply be told. And signs are real life. They're three-dimensional. This will be a sign to you, said the angel. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I read one translation that swapped out manger for feeding trough as a way of dealing with the way we've sentimentalized the manger. It occurred to me this week that maybe we need a death metal version of a way in a manger to get back to the reality of what that sign stands for, how shocking and strange and stark it was and remains when we take it for what it really is. That God would appear in the flesh as a baby, that he would not only become human, but also endure the helpless vulnerability of infancy is crazy enough. But that the Messiah would be born in a manger, would begin his life resting in a trough, still stained with the spittle of animals and rife with their bacteria, well, that seems incredible, unbelievable. Last year, our family enjoyed the first season of The Mandalorian. Disney recently released the second season of that series, which is an offshoot of Star Wars. I've been re-watching season one in anticipation of spending some time over the holidays enjoying season two. So here's some quick background. The Mandalorian is a bounty hunter who wears this trademark body armor. He's a mighty warrior. When he's sent to retrieve or kill one particular subject, he discovers a cute little green fellow who comes to be known as Baby Yoda, and the Mandalorian decides to keep him. Last year, I inserted a picture of Baby Yoda into the Courtright nativity scene in the cabinet just off the main hall. I tried to pass it off as innovative youth outreach, but I'm not sure everyone found it quite as amusing as I did. In the end, baby Yoda had to leave the Courtright Nativity set. I think he was cast out by someone with a key to the cabinet. I was delighted this spring to receive from someone here at KPC a baby Yoda face mask. And that felt me, made me feel like it had all been okay in the end. But back to the Mandalorian. Here's the thing about baby Yoda. He isn't just cute, he's powerful. And that's what's so intriguing. You've got this apparently vulnerable little child who can heal the sick and move mountains. Does that ring any bells? I wonder where they got the idea for this story from. And the big question that looms in the background, at least of season one, is what will baby Yoda grow up to be? What is his purpose? He obviously has a destiny. Where is he headed? Now, you might be able to predict that there will be some sermon illustrations coming along those lines in the new year. But the real good news, the good news that we find in Scripture, not on Disney+, Plus, the good news is that baby Jesus isn't a tale or a made-up story like Star Wars. Christians believe that Jesus was not only born, but that his purpose was to change everything for the better, to bring light into the darkness, to resist injustice, to heal people, to save us from our sin and our selfishness, and to bring a true and lasting peace to the world. And that's the final point here. The angels sing a song of peace. 
We started with fear. We were given a sign. And now there's a song. Everything else we read in what remains of this passage plays out under the incredible words of that song. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let's face it, we are restless people and we're full of hopes and desires that often go unsatisfied. At least they're not satisfied the way we want them to be. But when Jesus is born, the angels and everyone else in this story invite us to find our peace, not in what we can get, but through giving glory to God, through worshiping him, in learning to love him and to seek him. Are you restless for peace in your life and to see more peace in the world? Then I would invite you to consider that the decrees of emperors and governments are not what truly move us. Even the challenge of a terrible, tragic circumstance like the pandemic can be greeted with hope as we put our trust in the God who made himself weak so that we could get to know him. It's the promise of the angel that gives us a song. In the shortest Christmas Eve sermon of all time, the angel proclaims, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so the promise is that in Jesus, first we have a Savior, one who can deal with all our fears and deliver us from every evil. And second, Jesus, we have a Messiah, one who fulfills God's purposes, the anointed King we've been waiting for. And third, Jesus himself is Lord over all, God of the whole universe, the creator and sustainer of life itself, Lord over death, over the grave as well. And the good news of great joy is a decree of its own. Usually, the Greek word translated as good news refers to an announcement that would come about the Roman emperor, but here it's a different kind of kingdom that's coming. It's no accident that the shepherds got the platinum seats for this concert. They were just a bunch of poor teenagers, considered the least important in their society. You could maybe compare them to grocery store clerks today, among other low-paid workers in our economy who are taken for granted on the front lines of the pandemic. If you were drawing up the greatest project in the history of the world, would you start with grocery clerks? We tend to look to the powers that be. We turn to government officials and experts when we need direction. So why would it be shepherds here? I think simply because they're not too busy. They're able to hear it. They are humble in heart. They're open to God. And Jesus says that we must lose our life in order to find true life. In the world of the Roman Empire and also in our culture today, you have to win favor. That's the pressure. That's the message we hear. You have to earn it. It's on you to make a name for yourself. But the good news of Christmas is that God came down to make peace. He loved us so much that he sent his son so we could have eternal life. The great joy for a Christian comes from receiving that love and then resting in the peace that Jesus makes possible between us and God. And he does that by giving his life at the cross 
so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could come home to God the Father. So what is the gift for us this Christmas of the pandemic? I think it's stopping to see the sign of the baby in that manger, the sign that God loves us, the sign that moves us from fear and anxiety into his peace, the ultimate peace that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And this year, we may be in a place to stop and pay attention like never before, to really take our cue from Mary and to treasure these things, to ponder them, and then to go out like the shepherds, in the power of the Holy Spirit, working it out together in community, in the community of the church, singing the Gloria, telling the story, and making peace in the world as the true king calls us to, the king who was born that first Christmas. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for sending the light of your love into the world through the birth of your son, Jesus. We ask for a renewed sense of wonder, and, and we lift up to you all of the strangeness and the challenges of this pandemic. Would you use that? Would we see that as an opportunity, as an invitation that you're extending to us to be grateful, to seek you? We pray that you would give us signs of your kindness. For those of us who may be hearing this good news for the first time or in a, in a new way today, Give us faith to see your glory and to trust you. Surprise us with the gift of your love. Enable us to receive this good news of great joy that to us is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We know that we're often otherwise occupied, and we confess that we are preoccupied people. We are selfish we are separated from you by our sin. Would you give us the humility we need to really know you and to serve you, to admit that we can't get anywhere without you? In the end, we don't have much to offer you. We can't earn your favor or pay you back for what you've given us. We need your grace and your forgiveness. But look at what you've done. You opened your doors and invited us in. You provided a way. You prepared a feast. You made it possible for us to come home to you. And so we praise you for your faithfulness. Lord, as we give thanks for your many blessings in our lives, not the least of which is a white Christmas, the snow that's falling right now, we think at the same time of those who are suffering tonight in particular ways here in Guelph and around the world. And so we pray for peace on earth. We pray for those parts of the world where violence, war, and hunger make it hard to even dream of peace. Closer to home, we pray for a city under the pall of the pandemic. Watch over us and protect us as numbers continue to rise. We pray for an end to this affliction. 
And we ask you to be close to those who are finding it hard to celebrate this season because of illness or heartbreak or the loss of a loved one. You call us to make peace, to share the faith, to care for others. Change our minds about what matters. Give us hearts that long for your kind of peace and justice. Send us out tonight bearing your joy and your hope. We thank you again for the gift of your son Jesus and for his love and grace. Show us how we can share this gift with others. Slow us down over the next few days and draw our attention to those who need a word of encouragement or an act of kindness. All of this we ask in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.